What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 40 of Mendoza Line. We're back, and we got a lot to talk about. Nick, what's going on? Back and better than ever. I'm doing great. How are you? You know, I'm happy to be here. I am happy to be here. It's been a while. We haven't even hardly talked uh, at all since we recorded last episode, so we, you know, had to catch up a little bit. Life's been, life's been changing. Life comes at you fast. Indeed. Yeah, we were talking previously you know being an adult is hard and then you throw kids in the mix and it gets uh even harder but like you said good to be back here we are at the end of august hard to believe motoring on through our second season of the mendoza line but five weeks to go in the regular season very very sad cam i you know i know that you think it's sad and i'm not gonna rub you know i'm not gonna kick you while you're down or rub salt in that wound, but I'm just shocked at how fast it's gone by. Considering how stinking long the baseball season is, the fact there's only five weeks left to me is like, no, that can't be right. That just can't be right. Because it's the season that never ends. Every, well, it does end. And every year you get to this point and you don't understand how you got there because it's hard to believe that, yeah, we're already through August almost, but a lot has happened in the the time frame that we have we have spoken, um, but a lot has stayed the same in the standings, which we will touch on briefly uh, at the end of the show. But it is good to be back. Um, we do have some things to talk about, like I said. But um, yeah, another fight in the the majors. So yep, leave it up to the boys from the Dirty D to get in a brawl. Boys being boys, as they say. But yeah, your I guess your Tigers have had enough of losing in this season. I think they're getting close to catching the Reds at the bottom of the standings, which is not a good place to be, but they had had enough with the Yankees and they, well, I'll have, you know, they won that game 10 to six. They did get the last laugh. I think they lost the series, but probably. Yeah. What are your thoughts as a Tigers fan? Was this, did it feel vindicating to you to, uh, have your boys throw it, throw down with the Yankees? No, it didn't feel vindicating. I mean, if anything, I therapeutic. Mean, it's no, it's it's nice to see that they still have some pride in, you know, themselves. But at the same time, it's like a little, little, you know, too late. Like you're you're what <laughs> ten and a half games out of the wild card. Crazier things have happened, but you know, that's not happening um, this season. And so it's like they get in this fight and they don't want to be disrespected. And like, I get it, but there's just nothing funnier to me than a bunch of grown men rolling around in the dirt, slapping each other or taking cheap shots. You know, it's just like, come on guys, really? You like, know, I get that you're frustrated. I get that you don't like the other guys on the other team, but really, I mean, that being said, I did think it was fun to watch, you know, cause it's just, yeah, it's entertaining. Well, I laughed out loud when the uh, the Yankees pitchers from the bullpen were sprinting all the way from yeah, the left was... field all the way to home plate. <laughs> like, they're not beating your mom up, dude. Slowly, why are you sprinting? That's my favorite part of any Major League Baseball fight is watching the bullpens running in. And oftentimes they will they'll run in because the bullpens are oftentimes close together. So they're running at full speed kind of together, moving in the same direction. I've always, you know, might as well, if you're close enough, just fight with those guys. Yeah, they should have their own duel in center field. Exactly. But yes, they, watching them (laughs) sprint in from the outfield, so many jokes or or memes could be made from that. And oftentimes they get there when it's over. Yeah. Um, So the one thing that I did find interesting was that, uh, so there was multiple incidents in the game. Um, there was uh, some trading of hitting pitcher or hitting batters by the pitchers, um, and then that I believe cleared the benches for the first time. There was a few ejections. The second one was the Cabrera Romine incident, where the pitcher threw behind Cabrera, and then they got in a little, you know. Ver- verbal, you know, whatever, and then that led to the push and the punch by Cabrera, and then the benches and 
there was some afters, you know, from a lot of other people that got a lot more people ejected. And then I do believe there was a third incident later in the game that got Brad Osmus, the Tigers manager, and a few other people ejected as well. And apparently Brad Osmus told Brett Gardner, hey, F you or whatever, but like actually said it and that pissed Joe Girardi off. Like, why are you talking to my guy that way? And just like, I'm sure there are more people dropping F-bombs in a fight like that. Hmm. And I don't understand why it's a bad idea. You know, like, obviously, I think we're of the opinion that cussing and, and cursing, especially at someone like that, you know, not not a uh, mature way to handle yourself. But there's nothing mature about a bunch of grown men fighting in a baseball field. <laughs> like, you know, uh, so I don't feel like you can be too picky with how people handle themselves when you've got other players slapping and kicking and, you know, come at me and like hold me back and trying to look tough. And then, um, but anyways, all that to say. Hey, people paid $100 to watch two guys fight each other last night. So Yeah, but they're professional fighters. There's a big difference. <laughs> I mean, I see your point, but. I, I didn't pay to go to a baseball game to watch them fight. I paid to go to a baseball game to watch that's, them play baseball. That, that's just a bonus, though. That's inter- that's high quality entertainment. Well, it's not hockey. That's and that's you know. that's life. I mean, kids are kids are too protected these days. They need to see that life is life is hard. Sometimes when someone throws a baseball at you, you gotta stand up for yourself and fight back. You know, we yeah. live in this uh, this PC culture nowadays. Well, I'm, so. I'm not saying don't stand up for yourself. I'm just saying three times in one game, like, can we all just calm down? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> like, that's that's plenty, you know, of testosterone being thrown around. But the thing I do find the most interesting about this is they got the story from the catcher, and they got the story from Cabrera about what started the fight, and neither story has anything in common. <laughs> other than they were talking to each other. Cabrera's having a rough year. I mean, he's talking about one of the best hitters in, of all time. And he has been, you know, extremely average this year. So I could see how the frustration for him would boil over into where he shoved, you know, Romine. Because Romine kind of got in his face. Well, um, and what's funny is Romine's brother plays for the Tigers. Oh. So I wonder uh, how that went with they found each other in the brawl. I don't have a brother, but I can imagine that. Like, know, this is probably, awesome. And then there's probably some history there <laughs> between those two, but. Yeah. So Romine's story was uh, Cabrera looked at him and said, you got a problem with me after he threw behind him. And then he's like, something, something, something. It seemed like he really wanted to fight. And then we fought. And then Cabrera's story was, is Romine was talking to the umpire about, you know, they just threw behind Cabrera. And Cabrera told Romine, calm down. And then Romine turned to him and said, I wasn't effing talking to you. And that's when he shoved him and punched him. So I'm just like, those stories are completely different. Hmm. You know, I could see them both being true, just, you know, from different vantage points. Like I could see all of those things actually happening and then both seeing it from their, you know, point of view about why they were in the right. But it's just funny to me when you get two sides of a story and it's just like, oh my. (laughs) What is true? Yeah. Yeah. There's probably a little bit of truth to both. But Miggy got seven games, which was the most of everyone. Romine got two. Um, yeah, Alex Wilson got four games for throwing at Frazier, I guess, when there had already been warnings issued. Yeah, that was. I think that was the third incident. Right. And then Gary Sanchez got, and only got four games. Um, a lot well, of people dude, thought. Dude, did you see he was trying to kill someone? Like he had, I think, two or three dudes holding him back. He was, <laughs> he was not messing around. Was he the original guy that got hit? I think at the very beginning of the game, yeah. I th- so he he had, I guess, in that series, he had been he had hit four, I think, three or four home runs in that series. So I don't know if he took up as a personal shot against him, but oh, probably because he was, yeah. Well, he's he's an interesting guy. There's a lot going on with him, um, makeup wise. So th- he has been kind of known as having not good makeup, which is a baseball scouting term for. Guys with good makeup, they're, you know, they're they're good guys. They they played the game the right way. You Derek know? Jeter, Derek Jeter, yeah, a great makeup. They're guys that are just baseball players. A lot of things, as I'm saying them, I don't even know what they mean. 
But <laughs> Gary Sanchez is, has been known to have bad makeup. He's, yeah, kind of a known as a jerk. So I think that was a big reason why it took him so long to make the majors as a top pro, you know, as a guy that was kind of known as a up and coming prospect for a long time. You know, he didn't make the majors until last year and then he, he took off and, you know, made it clear that he was never going to go back. But yeah, he is um, definitely the, the fallback from this has been a lot of people noting how dirty he was in that fight. And, um, a lot of a lot of th- punches being thrown in the in the pile, um, kind of exacerbating the issue. So interesting that he only got four games, while uh, Mickey got seven. But they probably just wanted to nail him as the instigator to the whole the whole thing with the shoving real mine. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. They all seem. I mean, seven is a decent amount, but. It all seems a little low, I guess, to me. You know, four games is not that much when you consider, you know, the amount of games that they play or, you know. Well, but do you think it has anything to do with how few games there are left? Because, like, seven games is, like, 22% of the remaining games or something like that. I don't, I won't think that would, if I'm the guy handing out discipline, then I wouldn't think that that would matter. and the fact that there are so few games left should be even more of a don't do this because yeah you can really you know, screw yourself San- over Sanchez I mean the Tigers don't really have anything to lose they're not really in a pennant race but the Yankees are so yeah anybody they lose that's going to hurt pretty badly so I don't know I I mean I'll have strong feelings one way or another just uh found it interesting that the guy that got the most out of all that got seven games and then other people actually throwing punches. I don't know. I think that if I was in that position and I was angry enough and I'm like, well, I'm only going to get four games for this. I'm kind of tired. Let's go. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think it would dissuade me. Well, to be fair, Cabrera did throw a few punches before he got taken to the ground. So true. Yeah. It's never going to top Rodor's. And uh, Bautista's fight oh, gosh, from last that was year. Such a good punch. <laughs> he got his money worth on that one. Like but... if 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 I ever have a son, not that my son will ever be the little guy. Like that's guaranteed to not be the case. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna like this is how you punch right here, kid. Just... <laughs> it was yeah. so good. So I often, I wish I I would do some research on when fights happen because I feel like a lot of times it's late July, August, when it's hot, when the season's been long, guys have just had enough. So, whereas we get, yeah, weather's already cooling down here. <clears throat> Maybe the, tantrum, the tantrums will as well, but that's definitely been the talk of uh, this week, and um, we'll see how it affects the Yankees the rest of the year. Um, they had a They had a pretty good weekend this weekend. Took two or three from Seattle, and are squarely in the race. Um, but the Tigers, I think the Tigers didn't have, they had an okay weekend. Um, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're, doesn't ten, matter. they're yeah. 10 and a half out of the wild card spot. And there's like, I think like 10 or 11 other teams that are closer than them. So it's, yeah. it's been the, the writing's been on the wall for them since pretty early on in the year that this wasn't going to be a playoff season. So yeah, they, they need to get younger. They need, Miggy to have a resurgence next year. And they need to find a couple more pitchers outside of Verlander and Fulmer. Yep, that sounds like a really familiar story, Nick. And like uh, maybe a bullpen. Well, that's maybe. never going to happen. We just don't <laughs> believe in bullpens in Detroit. Uh, unless, of course, you consider bullpens that consist of ex-closers that haven't been good for five years. But hey, yeah, you know, they have to be at least forty for you to, for you guys to consider them. I just them. don't understand. I just and then we finally get a good one and we trade him. We talked about this already, and another reasons why we did it. And but it's still just like it's frustrating as a fan to be like we finally have a guy that's pitching, you know, reliably as a closer, and we're it's just annoying. It's just yeah. annoying. Well, anyways, we should we should move on. Enough of me venting about the tigers. Hey!
bada 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 so wing bada yeah we've um so we're in august uh our last episode we talked about the july tread deadline which obviously a lot happened so just a re re quick recap of the august trade deadline which is a little bit different we talked about last year but this is the um the july was the non-trade the non-waiver trade deadline which is um, the waivers are involved in um, the August one, whether um, these are revocable trade waivers. So everyone, you could put anyone in the league <clears throat> on these waivers, and if they clear, then you would be able to trade them to any team that you would want. Um, whereas if uh, a team claimed them, a player, then you can only you can negotiate a trade with them if you wanted, or you could just give them to them if they wanted, and they would have to assume all the salary, or you could pull them back and then you would not be able to put them through waivers again. So that's just a quick run through of how that works. So it lessens the likelihood of trades happening, but there are certain players that have bigger contracts or who are not quite as important, but it could be bench pieces oftentimes um, that are older where trades happen. And there's a few, which we'll, we'll touch on briefly, which would cover those um, different qualifications there. So there's a few more days here. Um, basically, a team or a player has to be on a team before September 1st for them to be eligible for the playoffs. So that's why most of these trades, if they don't happen before um, the end of August for contenders, they're not going to happen because if you're trading for a guy, you want to be able to use them in the playoffs. So, so there was a few that we'll cover quickly um, of note, but on August 5th, the uh, Mariners acquired Yonder Alonzo from the A's which was interesting. Yonder um, had had a kind of a resurgent season, had a really good first half, especially was on the all-star team. Um, and there was talk of big talk of him being traded to the Yankees because the Yankees needed a first baseman, but that never really materialized. So they ended up trading him to a division rival um, in the Mariners for a, um, not, for not really much at all. So, it was interesting and a pretty good trade for Seattle at the time because um, they, they could use more offense and uh, Yonder is not a, a game changer in that regard, but a nice piece to be able to add in a pennant race to not have to give up much. Um, but it was just another showing of how a, kind of a, a power bat was traded for basically nothing and you know how we had had similar trades even before that, uh, the, the waiver deadline in July of you know, J.D. Martinez, for example, um, just goes to show, I, I mean, a lot of teams, for whatever reason this year, feel good off about their offensive. The demand is just not there for offensive players because most teams have, you know, a set assortment of, especially first baseman and outfielders. So um, he's been okay for their manners. The manners are still right on the edge with several other teams in the American League wildcard. Um, but nice little addition there, I guess, and the market that's so diminishing power right now, just because everyone has it, the demand is so low. Um, but the A's just, you know, trying to get anything they can for him. Um, so that was that was one, and then Jay Bruce, a similar situation, you know, a guy that the the Reds traded a year ago for for not much was traded um, from the Mets to the Indians for a for a low a a low A pitcher. And he's been actually pretty good for the Indians and has been a big part of their resurgence. Um, he'll be a free agent at the end of this year. Um, yeah, but, but could, good for him for winding up on a good baseball team. Yeah, it worked out well for him. The Mets are awful and aren't going anywhere. So I'm, uh, I'm assuming the Indians will take on the rest of his salary for this year, which is it's not. You know, he's he was making $13 million this year, so prorated out for the last month and a half. It's not, it's not nothing. So, And then the last one was a week ago on August 20th. The Dodgers acquired Curtis Granderson from the Mets as well for a, a non-prospect pitcher. Um, so again, not much. Probably just a salary dump more than anything. So <clears throat> yeah, Curtis gets a chance to play on a Dodgers team that is uh, currently just destroying everything in their path. Mm-hmm. What, ni- 91 wins or something stupid yeah, like that? insane. So the Dodgers have 
I mean, they have Jock Peterson. He was one of their young outfielders. He has just been pretty abysmal all year. So I think them just not probably feeling comfortable with some of their younger outfielders that have struggled wanting to add a a good veteran bat in Granderson who they could play against righties and sit against lefties and will give you a decent right field. Um, good power bat off the bench, if not. So a very low risk, low cost trade there um, for them. And really, that's that's been, I mean, there's been a few other very, very minor ones that aren't really worth mentioning here. So very quiet trading period in August this year. Um, I mean, it's not, it's never going to be as crazy as the last two weeks of July, but I feel like historically we've had more, and I think it just has a lot to do with um, the power batch just having no value. So that really boils down to if anything's going to be traded, it's going to be pitching, and most of the pitching was going to be traded um, in July. So there's a lot of supply demand there. So I don't know. I'd be surprised, I guess, if we see much else happening. Um, as a Reds fan, Cozart is um, probably going to finish the year with us and walk away for nothing, which is unfortunate because he's hitting over 300. He's got over a 400 base percentage and slugging over 500 and is a pretty good uh, defensive shortstop, but no contender needs a shortstop. So it's unfortunate, but but yeah, I, th- I think the teams that we have now are going to be the teams that, barring injury, that the teams go into the playoffs with here in about a month. So well, not much, probably not much to uh, expel on there, but I just wanted to make note and since our time together. Yeah, and just real quickly, I'm really happy for Granderson. Um, I was I was very upset when the Tigers traded him to the Yankees. Uh, and it, he's in a to, trade that didn't really work out. Yeah, the Tigers got Romine, I believe, in that one. Well, and we got his replacement, Austin Jackson. That's what I meant. Yeah, Austin Jackson. Not Austin uh, and Romine. he was good, but Granderson was such a presence in the community of Detroit. And, um, like, talk about a good makeup guy. Granderson is he's just a stud um, off the field. So when he got traded to the Yankees, I remember just being really upset about it because like he's the guy. I remember being in Detroit when that happened. Yeah, and and he came out to uh, an Eagle Sports event and sponsored this whole like little league tournament with the you know the Detroit uh, Public League and uh, Eagle Sports and this big tournament that I lost my Oakley sunglasses at by the way and. but he just was a really nice guy and was doing good things. And so it's just nice to see him uh, wind up uh, this at this point in his career um, on the clear front runner in either league um, for a chance to finally get himself a World Series. Because he had, he had uh, two shots with, well, one shot with the Tigers, I think, and then it just didn't work out. So, yeah. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be a good piece for the, the Dodgers or are not lacking in options, that's for sure. Well, but especially in the National League, you want options going to the playoffs so you can really get down to the the you know, the double switches and, and the stuff that National League style uh play affords you in the playoffs. Bench is so important, like you said. Yeah. Absolutely. I so I think he you know, if this trade was, you know, so far earlier in the season, like okay, he's you know, but at this point, like you're adding a veteran bat, a character guy, a, you know, a guy who's going to be professional and going to get the job done when he's called upon. He may not be your everyday guy, but when he gets called upon, I mean, you don't trade for him, you know, because he's going to hit you 900 home runs. You trade for him because he just he just gets the job done. And at this point in his career, for him to have a shot to do that in maybe a few clutch situations in the playoffs, good for him. Hey, uh, I'll be rooting for him to do well as well. So he's originally from Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why. That's what I thought I remembered. So, so yeah, we'll see if there's any more trades. But um, those were the ones to to note. So moving on. So I 
don't know if you've been following this, but Giancarlo Stanton has been in fuego <laughs> ever since um, his, you know, disappointing home run derby performance. He has uh, been pretty incredible. So he hit his 50th home run today, which is impressive because we have a whole nother month to go. Yeah. So if you remember the when the original record was 61, <clears throat> back before all the, the steroids and stuff, he, uh, he could have a pretty good shot at that at this point. But alas, 73 is the new, the new mark to reach. Yeah, I was, I was like, I'm, he's gonna, he's, he's got a really good shot of breaking 60. Was That's what I was thinking as I was going through our show notes. I was like, man, he still has like 30, 30, 33 games left. Do you know how many home runs he's hit in August? Uh, no, but I feel like you're going to tell me. 17. <laughs> In his entire career, or no, this month? Th- this month. In- oh, oh my! Yeah, it's okay. August twenty seventh, and he hit seventeen homers in August. So if he keeps up that pace, then yeah, he uh, he can easily hit sixty. But yeah, he's been uh, he's been pretty on incredible pace. So the uh, the most home runs in a month was eighteen, which was set. Um by a guy I've never heard of, Rudy York, in 1937. So he has um, four or five games here to to either tie or break that record, which is over, yeah, 70-year-old record, which is pretty incredible. Well, yeah, he's got a good shot at that. I mean, none of this is surprising. This is a guy that... Yeah, he's He's, he's up there with one of the two... Tie, yeah, highest power hitters in the entire league and i mean this whole year is you know there's been accusations of a juice ball because of just the incredible historic home run rate that we're going on here so to have one of the most prolific power hitters in the whole league to yeah have a hit his 50th home run and 17 in a month it's pretty incredible pretty incredible story and um he's kind of willed the the Marlins to actually be somewhat, um, somewhat in the conversation. You know, I don't. They still have a ways to go just to make the wild card. But I mean, when you look at the Marlins, you know they've got some decent players. You know, they got Kristen Yelich and um, a few pitchers. You know, but even even as someone like me who follows baseball, you, they've got a lot of guys that you won't necessarily have heard of and. Yeah, they're over 500, so they're doing well. But um, he is on a pretty, pretty historic pace right now. So it's going to be pretty interesting to watch over the next five weeks if he can keep that up. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll be rooting for him. He seems like a, a good dude. Speaking of which, um, the Marlins were just uh, bought by Derek Jeter. Do you did you hear that? Well, he's part of the ownership team, right? I know, but it sounds better to say that he was bought. They were bought by Derek Jeter. <laughs> oh, it sounds better to not. Uh, I can't even talk. <sighs> by an ownership group, yeah, yeah. Sorry, but it's it's a it's disappointing to me because as a Reds fan, two of the best trades we've made in the last three years have been with the Marlins. So i I want them to keep staying bad and making bad decisions so we can continue to profit off that because our currently our best young pitcher who you know could be the ace of our staff in the next for the next good res team was was traded to us by the marlins this offseason for uh for a guy we picked off off waivers who you know dan straley was having a good year but you know we could have castillo for the next six years which is exciting to think about well just because he was a great shortstop doesn't necessarily mean that as part of the ownership group, he will make wise choices. That's true. But the uh, current Marlins owner is, is known as one of the cheaper, um, one of the worst owners in the, the whole league. He's, he's pretty much all about himself. He, he's the guy that tricked <clears throat> um, the entire world by building that awesome stadium and bringing players well, in and then trading them all away. The entire world, I guess, didn't pay for it, but yeah, the the residents of that county 
who ended up paying for majority of the stadium, expecting a winner. And then the minute that he gets that new stadium, he immediately trades everyone. (laughs) And except for Stanton, he was like the only one left. Right, but they weren't even paying him that much then. So it was one of those everything must go sales, and they they pretty much gave everyone away and slashed their payroll all the way down. So that that was pretty low, but I guess he he sees the uh, the time is now to cash in, get his billions, and then probably stay miserable wherever he's at. But uh, we'll um we'll see. I think all of it. We're getting to the point now where. All the, you know, the bad old-fashioned franchises have, you know, fired the ones and made the philosophical changes at this point. I don't really know if, can't you know, the Diamondbacks last year and the Marlins this year were one of the, I guess we'll see what the, the Marlins do. But they they kind of seem to be the teams that were kind of known as the ones making the bad trades and not being smart with their finances. So we'll see what happens. Ashamed of your souvenir fervor? Hardly. You scratch and gouge your way to the ball like a bloodthirsty wolverine. You're a feisty rodent. Um, moving on, another player who is on a pretty historic home run pace right now is Reese Hoskins. So he was called up by the Phillies earlier this month and was known as a power hitter in their in their minor leagues, had had a lot of success down there. Um, but for whatever reason, the Phillies, who have an atrocious team this year. Um, worst team in the all the league. Waited until this month to bring him up. And since they have brought him up in his 18 games, he has hit 11 home runs, which is broken a, a record for the amount of, I think it was the shortest, he was the shortest amount of time from his debut to hit his 10th home run. So he hit his 11th home run today in his 18th game, which is, reset a record um so that's uh something for phillies fans to hold on to um but yeah pretty much everything else has seemingly gone wrong for them this year they uh they have a bright young power hitting first baseman of the future to to look at maybe we'll be reminiscent of ryan howard in his prime who knows well is he younger than howard because howard is pretty old when he finally made the majors yeah, he's he's younger, but he's still he's not nineteen or anything. Um, I'll look. Up oh, but wasn't quick. Howard like twenty six or twenty seven when he finally made it to the majors? I'll uh, I'll look that up. I'm not sure. I feel it. It. I mean, Hoskins I feel like is, it was Hoskins is twenty four. Yeah, I feel like Howard was like twenty six or twenty seven when he uh, finally made it to the majors. We were. Funny, funny memory, but I think, I think I was a freshman in college when he made his debut. Um, maybe I was older than that. I don't know. He, see, so he came up. Yeah, he was twenty-four. His when he debuted in two thousand four. Oh, see, I felt like it was older than that, but but he. Wrong. So he only played. He played nineteen games in two thousand four. So it was just a brief cameo, and. He only, yeah, he only hit two home runs, and then 2005 it looked it looked like that's when he um he he only played in 88 games, so he was only half, for half the year, and he hit 22 home runs in 88 games. So that was so he was 25 that year. Yeah, so, he was okay. 25. So I was off by a year. So yeah, pretty similar, I would say. I mean, Hoskins is having more success in his age 24 year than Howard did, but same sort of uh. I guess career arc. I don't know. I don't think Hoskins is going to be, you know, Howard was never that great against lefties. And that just, <clears throat> once it kind of went for him, you know, he just, he couldn't hit a left-hander when in his older age. So, but he was, he was pretty incredible in his prime. He hit 58 home runs when he was 26 at a OPS of almost 1100. Um, struck out. He still struck out a ton, 181 times. Walked 108 times. Um, and then yeah, he hit. That was his. He said, yeah, yeah. Form form a few more years of hitting over 40, but then it slowly went down into his 31 
his age 31 year, he hit 33. And then when he hit 32, he was, he hit 14 home runs that year and then never really hit much more than 20. So, yikes. So, yeah, I mean, that was a good run there for Howard. I mean, Hoskins is, I mean, if he hits 58 home runs in a couple of years, that's, I think Phillies fans will take that. But the issue with Howard was not, you know, him. It was more him tanking when he did with so many yeah. years left on his contract. So, Oh, well. It happens, right? It happens, and uh, Phillies probably shouldn't have done that with the splits that he had and how old he was getting, but they're the Phillies. It's not like they're, uh, they're the small market team. They can recover, but the uh, Phillies fans aren't too fond of him. The From... Um, his last few years of just being terrible, but, but yeah, we'll see if uh, it's another thing to watch. See if Reese Hoskins can continue the torrid home run pace that he's on. But a lot of people are hitting home runs this month, Cam. Not me. I never hit a home run. Probably <laughs> never will. Maybe an inside the parker someday. We'll see. <laughs> Have you seen me run lately? <laughs> I got the fat guy run down to a science. <laughs> um. So you have have you seen the 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 players' weekend this past weekend and the jerseys and nicknames the guys have been wearing? Yeah, so I didn't realize it was happening until yesterday, like midday, uh, when one of my coworkers brought it up. I think it's genius. I don't remember. Have they done this before? I think this is the first year they've ever done it. it I think it's an incredibly fun idea. It is. The jerseys, some of the jerseys are hideous, like really bad. Um, the pirates, the yellow there were, oh, it was bad. And the yellow hats, it was like blinding, but the nicknames is great. I loved it. Um, yeah, I don't know why they decided to change jerseys, but I just think being able to put the nicknames on the back, like that's just fun. Yeah. You You learn a ton about the players too, like different stories about them. So the, the reds, the, uh, their third baseman, I guess he's having a daughter, uh, a Eugenia Suarez in September. So he put her name on the back for his jersey which i thought was pretty cool um but yeah all these all the nicknames and um different stories and people there attributing you know things to but there's some really funny ones too so there's a few of my favorite ones i want to cover but anything else or things that you wanted to say no i i'm actually looking forward to hearing your uh the ones that you found funny because i actually I haven't had the opportunity to watch any of the games this weekend and see some of the names. So like I knew about it in concept. I thought, Oh, that's really fun. But I, I, I don't really know what a lot of the, you know, the nicknames and that sort of stuff was. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to being educated, Nick. Yeah. So, um, one of Robert Stevenson, he's a pitcher for the Reds His on the back of his jersey. just said, Bob, <laughs> which is great. So a lot of people, we, I mean, we've, the bloggers that follow the Reds, like we've always kind of called him Bob Stevenson because it's better than Robert, but it just said Bob on his back, which was hilarious. Uh, Kyle Seeger, so he, third baseman for the Mariners, he wrote Corey's brother on his back. I think, I think that's hysterical. That's hysteric. So his young, it's so good. His younger brother, Corey Seeger, plays for the Dodgers and was the, you know, rookie of the year last year, got MVP votes. You know, Kyle's not a bad player himself. He's he was a pretty established major leaguer before he came, but um I should have looked. I don't know what Corey put on his back, but I don't think he put uh Kyle's brother. So that was pretty hysterical. Uh Brad Ziegler put unicorn on the back of his jersey. Why? Does he poop rainbows? <laughs> I'm confused. I get he's he's got that really weird sign sidewinder motion. He's he's Oh, okay. He's very right. he's a rare guy. That's fair. So, uh, Josh Fegley put PTBNL, which stands for player to be named later. <laughs> so, and I'm assuming he got traded for a player to be named later. Yeah, that happens oftentimes. You know, you, you know, two of my favorites are player to be named later or cast considerations. So, yeah, that's hysterical. So, I was yeah. wondering what that stood for. That's so good. I mean, he, it's just a term, but yeah, he's a human, and he must have been a player to be named later in a trade. That's funny. So that's pretty great. And then Wandy Peralta, he's a reliever for the Reds, but his was La Grasa. 
which I didn't know anything about until Lauren was like, why is his nickname La Grossa today? Doesn't that mean fat? <laughs> so is he a chubby fellow? He's he's not skinny, but <laughs> so yes. So I don't know if it was like super to self-deprecating or what, but I thought that was That's funny. Funny, but yeah, there. I mean, there are a ton of other ones. Some are really, really, really funny. Um, Michael Lorenzen, he he was the Zen master, which was pretty funny. Interesting. If you uh, if you had your nickname on a jersey, what would it say? Oh, I was thinking about that, but I never made a decision. Well, because everyone just calls you Coates, but that's your last name, so it wouldn't be any I'd, different. I'd probably put Coatesy, because that was okay. That was what everyone used to call me yeah. in college and high school. And that was my, you know, and that when my dad was in high school, um, that's what people called him. So it's kind of a, it's a, a nickname that works well, and it's it was my. AOL. It's your Twitter handle. It's my oh. Twitter handle. It was my my original AOL screen name, Cozy Fifty Five. Oh boy. Um. Yeah. I don't. I would probably do that, or I would go super nerd. But there's probably some trademark trademark things. Like if I would want to do anything with like Star Wars or anything that you couldn't do. Scott Shebler <clears throat> wanted to put Bam Bam on the back of his, but I'm sure that's trademarked, which is why he couldn't do that. But how about you? What would you say? He hate me. <laughs> That's probably trademark too. I don't think you could use that. Oh, there's no way he hate me's trademarked. XFL wasn't real. Oh, they there's no way you could use that. You would have well, to, fine. You would have to do Argos socks. <gasps> Ooh, yeah. Well, or yeah. business socks. <laughs> my my go to fantasy baseball names. Speaking of uh, flight okay. of the Concords. Exactly. Uh, if I couldn't, if I couldn't do, he hate me. I probably just my. I think mine would just say dad jokes. <laughs> I think that's what it would say because that's descriptive and very appropriate now too. Representative of the the dry and witty and sometimes stupid humor that I love, and try to you know involve in my everyday. Plus, just having a jersey that says dad jokes on it. I mean, come on. <laughs> so, yeah, great idea. Cool way for the players to be able to express themselves a little bit. Um, but yeah. yeah, I'd love to see this extended to other sports, too. Just like just for a weekend or one round, like I would love to see this in soccer uh, or in basketball, you know, or the NFL. Yeah, they need to make you the know? jerseys better next year. That's my way. Well, but I but my my whole thing is like don't change the jerseys, just change yeah, the names. Yeah. Except for teams like, like the Yankees, the jerseys. who don't have names on their back. That's what they're. Well, but that would be a big change, right? You get the Yankees jersey with a name on it for a weekend. Like, holy crap, that's a marketing, that's a marketer's dream. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I'm sure they made the new jersey to sell something new because that's what. Well, okay, that that is fair, but then don't make them ugly and terrible. Exactly. But yeah, it'd be a ton of fun. So yeah, that was cool, and um, hopefully they yeah they do that from here on out, and we can continue to see some cool nicknames and learn about the players. So it's unfortunate for the guys that just got called up. I think they just had to put their their real last names on the back, which is boring. But <laughs> so yeah, as we um, we move into September here, the uh, rosters expand. Um, and uh, more players get called up, and it'll be interesting to to watch and follow. But um, as we wrap up here, let's uh let's run through the strandings real quick. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right. So in the American League, we are beginning to get a little bit of separation within the divisions, uh, with the AL East being the only one that is <clears throat> up for grabs, and even then, the uh, the Yankees, who are currently two and a half back have a three-and-a-half game lead in the wild card. So pretty solid for them to make the playoffs. But the Indians have really started to make separation in the Central over the past few weeks, where that was tight when we last spoke. And uh, Houston, you know, their they're once 16-game lead has shrunk to 13-and-a-half. So I don't know. If, Watch out. Sky's falling. I don't know if they're sweating too much there, but they're uh, they're cruising towards a 
the AL West ground there. But I think the most interesting about the American League is that their wild card. Um, it feels like pretty much everyone is in it except for, I would say at this point, four teams. So the the Twins are currently holding the second wild card spot, which is incredible considering how they were. They the, yeah, they were just terrible last year. They were awful, but they are. Some of the young guys are starting to turn around, and Byron Buxton has been smashing the ball lately. So that's good for them. But um, the Angels, Mariners, Orioles, Royals, uh, Rays, and Rangers are all within three games of the Twins. And that's what I find most interesting is the Yankees have a three-and-a-half game lead over the Twins, but there are six other teams that are below the Twins that are closer to them in the wild card than, than the team above them. Yeah, so... Like, that's nuts. There are seven teams within three games of each other vying for that last wild card spot. There are numerous possibilities for the Yankees. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. That, yeah, the Yankees could wind up passing Boston, and then Boston could drop down to the wild card. Minnesota could get replaced by one of six other teams. Yeah. Like, there's, and there's one, two, three, four teams within two and a half games of the, of Minnesota. So, I mean, it really is, like... It's too bad that the Rangers traded you, Darvish. I mean, they're only three games back, and... Having him for a, a one-game wild card, you know, who knows what could happen. I think he's probably happier to be on the Dodgers, frankly. But um, and uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're two games under, so their odds aren't super high to uh, make a run. But you never know. So I mean, it seems like there's a whole lot of mediocrity there <laughs> within all those. Yeah, teams. and and that's what's that's what's breeding this uh you know seven teams for one spot but that makes for you know compelling baseball at the end of a long season and that's really all you can ask all for. those fan bases are engaged and very engaged. i know my yeah my team is you know under 500 but holy crap we have a chance to make the playoffs like i know it's not been a great season but my goodness we could still salvage something from this yeah that's fantastic yeah the only t- the blue jays a's tigers and white Sox are the only teams that are Dunzo, so but yeah, yeah, the Blue Jays have fallen hard this year, but I guess that was to be expected with uh how old they were and then losing Edwin. But the um the Indians are a team to watch. They uh almost like they were bored for half the year and now they've <laughs> they've really taken off and <clears throat> they are I mean they're only five games back of the Astros for the best record in the American league at this point. So, I mean, the odds are, I mean, I, I, I still would think the Astros will have the top seed. So you would, you would look at a, a Red Sox Indians first round series, which would be same as last year, but that'd be a lot of fun. Got a, that would be a heck of a series. When you think about all the starting pitching, got Chris sale. And if David price is back or solo and Kluber and, um, Salazar for the uh, for the Indians. That'd be a lot of fun to watch. Let's see if the uh, the Red Sox can get some revenge. But so that's the American League, the National League. The um, <clears throat> yeah, the divisions uh, again are becoming a little more clear, especially in the East and West. The Nationals and Dodgers are and have had run away with those divisions pretty or pretty early on and. The Cubs are also, they were getting a little bit of separation this weekend. It's tightened back up a little bit with the Brewers winning. They won two out of three at, at LA, which is impressive. So every time you think that the Brewers are going to go away, they they go win a couple more. And the Cubs, just every time you think they're going to start hitting this streak here, they they kind of fall back to earth as well. So they have a current two-game lead over the Brewers and a four-and-a-half over the, the um the Cardinals, but Nationals are eleven and a half over the Marlins, and the Dodgers have a nineteen game lead over the the Diamondbacks, who are fifteen games over five hundred. So, oh, that's inc- well, and the first wild card team as well. Yeah, so that's just nuts. Yeah, ninety one and thirty eight. Yeah, that's insane. A, a seven oh five win percentage. So looking pretty likely for the the Nationals to play the winner of the Central be the cubs that'll be a pretty good series and then yeah basically be a tournament of the west for 
If, uh, yeah, because Colorado is the second wild card with, you know, they're what, uh, 12 games over 500? Yeah, and they, so, the only reason they're, they had that really hot start in the first half, they've been slowly bleeding the wins because it was, you know, a solid six or seven game lead over anyone else in the, the league. That's shrunk down to three and a half over the Brewers for the second spot. But, and Miami's right there as well. They're four and a half back. They're going to, they're eight and two in their last 10, which is why they are that close. Well, yeah. And, and to do just a bit of, you know, comparison here between the American and National League, like, as we said, there are six teams or seven teams all within three games of each other in the American League vying for that last wild card spot. Whereas, the Colorado Rockies who have the second wild card spot are three and a half games above the very next team. So they're not, I mean, you've got Milwaukee at three and a half, Miami at four and a half, St. Louis at six, Pittsburgh at eight and a half, and then it's all double digits for the rest of the league. So there's not nearly the, uh, the broad competition in the national league, like there was in the American league, but with the Cubs and the Brewers being two games apart, that's when the division and you're in lose and you're probably out. Yeah. You know, so you've got that one real rivalry. But other than that, it seems like the National League is probably pretty set unless someone goes on a massive dive. Yeah, I mean, you got three three really good teams if the Cubs start playing well there that um, you could easily see any of them going to the World Series. So I don't know. Still a lot can change in five weeks. Kershaw comes back soon. So if he's healthy... The Dodgers. Well, and that's what's terrifying. Yeah. Is the Dodgers have 91 wins, and Kershaw has been out for a little while. But I'm super, super excited um, for the playoffs this year. Like every year, I think it's going to be really entertaining. Should be a lot of fun. Well, yeah, you you finally get to see the best of the best compete or go home. And I know I'm, while not uh, you know a a regular uh, baseball watcher just because there's just so many games, Nick. But man, I've heard that playoff, from you before. I I know I'm beating it, I'm beating the the drum, but playoff baseball is something special. Best. Yeah, it's just I mean it and I think it part of it has to do with the juxtaposition to the regular season game, which is one of 162, right? Right. But every pitch matters and in playoffs, every single pitch matters. Every at bat matters, every error, every passed ball, every walk, every strikeout, every extra base hit, every single stretch into a double because you caught the, sh- the shortstop sleeping. Like it all matters. I would argue that it does in the regular season as well, but it's just I, amplified. I think, I, think it, I think it does in certain situations. Like I don't think the Tigers. You know, if they had gotten every, you know, if they had stretched a single into a double every single time they could have, or, you know, had 10 less errors on the year would be a playoff team. It just wasn't, they're just not good enough. But I think in the playoffs, yeah, it's amplified, but that's because of the format, right? Yeah. You win, you win four or you go home. Everyone's watching too. Yeah. And everyone's watching, but it's, I mean, it's, you win four or you go home. And so because it's, you take a 162 game season and you condense the, um, the consequences of that into a four five, six or seven game series, you get all of the exhilaration and highs and lows of, you know, a what five or six month season in a one to two week series. And that's why it's so electric, because you you get such competitive and impassioned play on everyone's part. Even the umpires are jazzed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, yeah, playoff baseball is fan-freaking-tastic. It's great. By the way, did you see, I just want to mention this real quick, and then we'll wrap it up, but Joe West, <clears throat> they, uh, last week they wore these white bands on their arms to, to they were silently protesting an increase, I guess, in verbal attacks and responses to umpires stemming from, I guess there was an incident with Ian Kinsler with an ump, and he 
didn't get suspended. He got fined in the, um, I guess the Amp Union won him suspended. But so there's this kind of farce of a, of a protest because Joe S has kind of been known as a antagonizer and especially with players, he, you know, country Joe West. But the funny thing was, I think white is typically known as, um, signifying blindness. So there was a lot of <laughs> comedy with that. So, but yeah, I think the umps are the umps need to toughen up a little bit, especially because some of them are are bad and they make situations well, worse. Okay, and here's where I feel like the fact that I'm a soccer fan can actually shed some light on a baseball topic. Um, increasingly in soccer nowadays, the referee will make a foul call or a yellow card, or even a red card uh, decision on a play, and immediately he is surrounded by the team of the person he called the foul against. And they are screaming, and they are cussing, and they are pointing and, and gesticulating, and he has to deal with apparently 10 or 11 grown men, I think little boys most of the time, literally two inches from his face, spitting on him because they are screaming so loudly. And I realize that soccer is not baseball. I realize this. <laughs> soccer is far more fast-paced. But <laughs> I'm going to slide that jab in there. Um, I, I'm not here to fight you today, Tim. But my point is, like, okay, yeah, whatever about Joe West, but it's a slippery slope when you let stuff like that slide to, you know, who knows what in 10 years is going to be acceptable. And I realize it seems ridiculous now, but there needs to be a proper respect and fear for the official. Otherwise in 10 to 20 years, you're going to have players, you know, taking, um, what's the word here? Uh, taking advantage of you know their position against those officials and maybe in 10 or 20 years it's all called by robots and it doesn't matter anyways because robots don't have emotions but my point is like okay yeah they can protest and the fact that they use white to represent you know which represents blindness like that's funny because you know everyone thinks uh, umps are blind but there has to be authority on the field and whenever the authority is called in, into question and not punished then i get why the umpires are trying to protect themselves you know like it's their livelihood that's how they feed their family all that all that is well and good but you have to know these umpires these these two to three specific umpires that the um the issues are historically with and respect it's all well and good i understand that i'm not advocating against that but when the guy is acting and abusing his power and acting like a huge, um, you know, fill in the blank there, there, there's a little less, I guess, uh, sympathy or that, uh, transference or respect is not going to be as transferable in those cases. So the the context of this conversation is critically important to this. I understand that. And I can't really explain all that of why I th- I thought that was funny, but of course I I I think I think the coincidence of them, you know, with the blind like that's funny, like unintentional humor like that, top notch. Um, and and you know, I obviously I don't know the the full extent, you know, to the whole situation, but you know, again, I think any time that the authority of the person who is supposed to have authority is called into question inappropriately. Like you got to figure that out, you know, but I, I get, I get what you're saying and we don't need to beat a dead horse. So I think it's time, Nicholas. It is. It's been fun. We should do this more often. <laughs> yeah. Were you free next week? Uh, actually, no, I'll be in Chicago. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll be back in two and- weeks then. Yeah, I would bring my equipment with me, but I just don't know. We have there's just a million things going on while we're there, um, so I can't guarantee that I will have time to record at a time that will work with you. Hey, I've I'm, I've been the one that's been busy lately, so 
It's all good. But we will be back soon, I promise. Yeah, we will be all over the the final stretch here and into the playoffs like we were last year. So, but yeah, excited to, to see how it all unfolds. Indeed. I'd say go Tigers, but that makes no sense at this point. So Go Reds. Um, go sports. Woo! Our teams are awful. I know, right? <laughs> and on that very uplifting note, we say goodbye. See ya.